Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown. Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. I am executive producer Brian Griggs, and thank you for joining us. Next couple of weeks, both Brian and myself taking some vacation time before summer runs out on us. But I've got some great best of shows coming for you this week and next week, so you'll want to stay close because we're kicking it off in big style this week. And I've got a great show focusing on the NBA and NFL. Next segment, segment two, we're checking out Brian's conversation with none other than basketball legend and TNT broadcaster Charles Barkley. It's always a good time when Barkley is involved and on the phone. So check out that next segment. Then in segment three, Brian's talk with Mike Reese of ESPNBoston.com, a great interview covering the New England Patriots, talking NFL, the upcoming season. Then in segment four, we'll hear Brian's talk with Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft, current member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, as you can see, a great show coming your way. Charles Barkley, Mike Reese of ESPNBoston.com, and then wrapping it up with Kyrie Irving, number one pick of the draft. Stick around. Keep it locked. A couple of other notes. You can download the podcast of this and any other SBR show on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Bookmark that site. There's lots of fun, lots of information, lots of great interviews. Become a fan of us on Facebook. Follow SBR on Twitter. Brian is a tweeting fanatic. Get some good tips, good insight, good business things, all kinds of fun. Follow him at SB Radio on Twitter. So stick around. Charles Barkley, he's coming up next. We kick off this best of sports business radio. We'll be right back. This is the best of SBR. Back with more after this. With a strange tattoo Not sure how I got it Not a dollar in my pocket And it kind of looks just like you Mixed with that Galifianakis huh. La 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 Whatever La 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 It doesn't matter La la It's the age of new media and citizen journalism Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter And everything is on the record I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We're back, and I promised a big guest, and here he is, none other than Charles Barkley, NBA Hall of Famer and TNT analyst. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? I'm doing great. What a beautiful day here in Portland, right? Well, I know you're not used to that, so don't go crazy. <laughs> I'm going to be out there at the golf course, uh, too, at Brian Grant's event, and I thank you for coming in to Portland. This is the second year in a row you've come in for this event. Yeah, I come in every year, man. Brian's such a wonderful guy, uh, you know, and I'm just glad to be a little bit part of it. He's a wonderful person. The city of Portland really roll out the red carpet when we're here, so we have a blast. Yeah, you've always had a, a fondness for Portland, going back to your playing days, and then I know when you were here with the Dream Team, uh, that was a fun time for you, too, back in 92, right? Well, I've always said I think the Portland Trailblazers have had the best fans in the world. I actually tried to get traded to Portland when I, tried, when I was getting out of Philadelphia. I just think it's an amazing city, and uh, I love coming here. So, how's your golf game doing these days? I saw you on TV in Tahoe, and it looks like your game's gotten much better. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say my game has gotten better. You know what? I play to have fun. I get to smoke cigars, drink some beers. I mean, I'm not very good, but I'm going to have fun out here for sure. You know, Charles, one of the things about you, I used to work for the Blazers, and I saw you meeting with Make-A-Wish kids, and you've done a lot of charity quietly behind the scenes, and I don't think that gets enough publicity. You've been one of the great ambassadors, not only for the NBA, but for sports. Well, I try to always do it behind the scenes, because I always tell people, I'm not trying to impress anybody. Some people like you, some people don't. I always do it behind the scenes, but I appreciate the compliment. So Shaq is joining you on TNT. Uh, what's that going to be like? That seems like an interesting uh, combination, you, Kenny, and uh, and Shaq. Well, we're glad to have Shaq. Number one, he's a wonderful person. He's a great friend of mine. He's a wonderful person. But, you know, we, we clearly don't know how it's going to work right now. I mean, clearly we're not working, but we don't know how it's going to work. But we thought he was too much of a great personality to not try to sign so uh, that that was the key. I mean, we had to sign him. We didn't declare that we didn't want him to go to the competition. We don't have no idea how it's going to work. But Shaq was just too good of a personality to turn uh, to turn down. Well, and I mean, he just retired, so he's got a really good perspective about the guys that are playing in the league right now. That's got to be helpful. Well, if his perspective is some of these guys can't play dead, he's going to be very helpful. You know, cause, you know, the NBA is not as good as I wish it could be. I'm not happy with all these young players coming to the NBA before they're ready. Uh, you know, we got some really good players. We got some really great players. But I wish these kids would stay in school a little bit longer. Uh, I hate young kids coming to the NBA who are not ready to play. How's the league different than when you played? I mean, it seems like guys cared a little bit more maybe than they care today, and there wasn't all this marketing and Facebook and Twitter and things like that that the guys are doing now? Well, I think, I mean, like I said, I think there's too many young players that are coming to the NBA before they're ready. Uh, I think it was much better in my day, and I know a lot of young guys don't think that, but people realize, man, players now I think they're more concerned about marketing uh, they're more concerned about being on ESPN, making great plays instead of being great players. Uh, that's the biggest difference for me. Joined by Charles Barkley, NBA Hall of Famer, analyst for TNT. So Nike's here in Beaverton, Oregon, and I know you've had a long-standing relationship with them. What's your role with them, and would we ever see any commercials with you and Nike in the future? You know, Nike's been an integral part of my life. Nike's been fantastic to me. 
Uh, that's one of the reasons, you know, I spend a ton of time in the Portland area because of Nike. Uh, but Phil and the Phil Knight and uh, Howard White, but they're like part of my family, and I'm going to always be loyal to Nike, period, period. The I Am Not a Role Model commercial, one of my favorite commercials ever, and I thought it was just the message it sent was such a great one. Is that your favorite commercial? If not, what is? Well, I think it's probably the most important thing I've done because, you know, when I made that commercial, we knew it was going to be controversial. And I really made it for a lot of young black kids because, uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of young black kids aren't getting their education. And they all they think about is playing in the NBA, uh, and, and, you know, this, 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 this sports thing is a big trillion-dollar business, basically. And I worry about these guys not getting their education. And they're not getting their education. And I want them to stop thinking they're going to play in the NBA and go back to school and get their education. So I'm very proud of that commercial. The other thing is on the other side of your career. I mean, you've been successful as a broadcaster. There are other people that have had good success as a business person. But, Charles, there's a lot of guys that they're broke when they're done or they're broke within a few years after they're done. How can those guys be helped? Well, number one, that's a great point. And that's one thing that I try to talk about. You know, 75% of professional athletes are broke within five years of retirement. And to be honest with you, it is because of their family and friends. You can't lend your family and friends money. That is the key. You know, you have to learn to say no. A lot of guys don't know how to say no. Uh, but you, you, you have to help them somewhat. Giving people money does not help them. You, all you become is an, 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 an enabler. You know, so you have to learn to say no. You have to invest your money wisely. And you have to save it. That's really the key. Well, and you get hit from so many different angles. Hey, invest in this restaurant. or That's my that's point. You have to learn to say no. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel guilty. No one's not giving you any money. And that's really hard to do. People think it's easy. They think they own your family, own your friends, own your homeboys. But you have to learn to love the world. No. We're joined by Charles Barkley, NBA Hall of Famer, TNT analyst. Just a few minutes left with him. Okay, Charles, I've heard you in several interviews say that you think the NBA lockout could potentially wipe out an entire season. Is that still what you think? Yeah, I believe that. I don't think they're going to play it all next year. I think it's really unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate for the people who work for the teams. You know, the people who work for the arena, they're going to be hurt the most. Uh, but I don't think they're going to play it all next year. And, I feel, and that's sad. That makes me sad. Uh, but I believe they're in it for the long haul. The owners are. So they'll miss the whole season because the owners want to basically come up with a whole new economic model? Or well, what's the reasoning behind your statement? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, I think they do want to come up with a new economic uh, situation. Uh, but also, you know, we have this thing going on now where all these young kids in the NBA want to play on the same team. That's not good for competitive balance in the NBA. That's not good for some of these small market teams. So I think that 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 that's the real that's the second reason. I mean, we do, but they do want to restructure the the, the financial situation. But they, we 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 cannot be successful as a league if all the stars want to play on the same team in the major market. That's not a good business model for the whole NBA. So would you be in favor of something like the NFL does with franchise tags, where you could slap a tag on someone and they can't go to another team? Well, we we uh, we're gonna do. I know they're trying to do something with a franchise tag, 
but we're going to have to do something because right now it's, it's, it's not good. Last question for you. I know that you've been friends with Tiger Woods for a while, and he's got a new caddy, and you know he's had a lot of changes in his life in the last few years. Have you had a chance to talk to Tiger? I know you're great at helping people. You're here helping Brian Grant this weekend. Have you been able to help Tiger at all? I have not been able to help Tiger at all, and I'm, I'm concerned about Tiger. Uh, I wish him the best. He's like a brother to me, and I wish him the best, but I'm very concerned about him, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's making a lot of pretty drastic changes in his life and people that have been around him for a while. Say that again? We call those bad decisions where I'm from. <laughs> well, Charles. You know, I, I just, you know, I, you know, dude, it's just, I feel bad. Uh, you know, I do. I just feel bad for Tiger. Uh, he's like a brother to me. I wish him the best. He's making a lot of bad decisions, and, uh, and it's unfortunate. You've, I'm sure you've seen guys at the highest level surround themselves with people who just tell them what they want to hear, and then they get caught up in that vacuum. Well, that is actually uh, uh, it's funny. That's a great way to frame it. You know, I got to say, people always tell me, they say, I, got, I don't have that many friends. I don't like that many people. But one of the keys to being successful is, People always want to be honest, and you have to understand. Most people around you, they work for you, or they're just kiss asses, and they know how to destroy your problems with you. And that is a major problem. You got to surround yourself with good people who are not going to kiss your ass and tell you what you want to hear. Who are always going to be honest, and that is a really, really big problem. Yeah, and we all need those people in our lives who are going to be honest and upfront with us and uh, call us on our you-know-what when we're uh, out of line, right? Yeah, I mean, because you know what? It, it, you know, that's a really, really big problem, especially you in the limelight. Because, like I say, most of the people around you, they work for you, and they want you to buy the dinners all the time, they want you to buy all the drinks, and they're not going to be straight forward with you. But you have to have a group around you who are going to say, hey, you know what? Well, Charles, I will see you out there in a few hours. I hope you have fun on the golf course today. You like Pumpkin Ridge, don't you? I love Pumpkin Ridge, and it's beautiful. I can't wait to go out there. I mean, I still I can't wait to go out there and bang it around. If you had one round of golf left, where would you play? Wow, that's a great question. I would say uh, there's a course out in, uh, in, in California called Cypress which is probably the most, you know, Pebble Beach is scenic, but Cypress to me is the most scenic golf course in the world if I had one around the golf to play. I know what you're talking about. That is very beautiful. Hey, Charles, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. No problem, my man. Thanks for having me on. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this.
Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. A man I've been chasing down for a few weeks, a very busy man. Mike Reese of ESPNBoston.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Reese. He covers the New England Patriots. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you? Good. You're a busy, busy guy, especially since the lockout ended. It's been crazy for you, hasn't it? It has. And, and, you know, you think about different teams around the NFL. You know, few teams have made the type of moves that the Patriots have you know, in terms of the, the Chad Ochocinco's and the Albert Hainsworth. So, you know, I know all the reporters around the league are busy. I think Patriots reporters uh, might be busier than most, though. Let's talk about some of those moves. Uh, they were kind of unexpected. Let's start with Ochocinco. What do you think he's going to mean to the Patriots offense? Well, first things first, I'd say they were unexpected. But with Bill Belichick, I have a little bit of a saying, Brian. I say, you know, (laughs) expect the unexpected. Right. He's so unpredictable. But in terms of of Ocho Cinco and what he'll mean to this offense, I think basically it just gives them another weapon. I really thought they were okay with what they had uh, before acquiring him. Deion Branch and Wes Welker, your top guys with Brandon Tate, Julian Edelman, and a youngster in Taylor Price, you know, right down the line. But... I think in Ocho Cinco, they felt like the price wasn't that much. So why not add another weapon, someone that Tom Brady uh, can quickly build a trust with and will know will be in the right spot. I don't think Ocho Cinco is a a fast uh, burner, Randy Moss-style receiver who's going to blaze down the field and open things up underneath for Wes Welker, but I think he'll open it up in a different way by running good routes, being in the right spot, and just giving Tom Brady another reliable presence in the outer part of the field. Well, the other thing with Ocho Cinco is that he and Coach Belichick have a relationship going back a few years. They met at the Pro Bowl, and it seems like they hit it off. They did, and and it's interesting. Bill Belichick had called them an odd couple because you wouldn't think that someone with the (laughs) playful antics of Ocho Cinco and, and the more serious exterior of Bill Belichick would, would be uh, linked in any form. But, you know, behind the scenes, Bill Belichick is, uh, is a jokester, believe it or not, Brian. And they, they um, you know, I think he appreciates the passion that Ocho Cinco has for the game. And I think he's able to sort of see some of the things he does as more playful uh, than anything else. And I think he feels that his passion for the game and his work ethic are more important than some of that other stuff that pretty much uh, we all talk about more than, than Ocho Cinco's actual football. I love how uh, Ocho Cinco, obviously an active guy on Twitter, and when Bill Belichick was asked about that, he said something to the effect of, I don't tweet, I don't yearbook, 
and I don't my face. <laughs> and it, it basically just shows you how out of touch uh, Bill Belichick is with social media, but he's a genius everywhere else. Yeah, he does a great job with the football, and I've heard him say stuff like that before. It's one of his favorite lines, and, you know, I think that's the thing I, I actually have a lot of respect for, for Belichick for. You know, he, he's not one of these, you know, young hotshot coaches. He's been doing this for a long time, but he still has the passion, and he's, he's really a, a brilliant coach, Brian. You watch him out in the field and training camp. One of my favorite things to do is just watch the way he coaches a team. You think about a head coach, and a lot of times you think of that person that sort of oversees everything. You have, you know, people under him doing the dirty work, you know, the grunt work, the coaching, getting down in the trenches with the players, if you will. Uh, but Belichick does that as well. So he's not just that guy overseeing it. He gets into the drills, and he's right on top of things. Yesterday, he had a drill where the quarterbacks were dropping back to pass, and he was trying to create a distraction for the quarterbacks during the drill. I watched him take one of those foam sort of uh, blocking pads that you see the players use. Right. He literally wound up and threw it right at backup quarterback Brian Hoyer and nailed him in the head. <laughs> and so I only pass along the story just to tell you, the passion is still there after all this time. Bill Belichick been in the league since 1975. That's interesting. So he's not just sitting there with the hoodie up in a uh, window somewhere not participating. He's out there getting he's, – he's rolling up his sleeves. He is, but it, and it's not just that he'd be up high sort of overseeing. I think a lot of times what I, what I hear from other reporters, you see coaches sort of you know, walk from drill to drill, sort of you know, let their assistant coaches coach and then sort of pull it all together. I think Belichick does that as well, but I, I find he's sort of one of those coaches that hasn't lost – sort of that fundamental um, aspect of who he is, and that's a, a football coach, a teacher, someone who likes to do, you know, get right down with the rookie free agent who probably won't make the team, but he's trying to make him better as well. Joined by Mike Reese of ESPNBoston.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Mike Reese. Let's talk about Albert Hainsworth. Uh, pretty much a, a no risk for the Patriots, as I see it, other than you know what he could do to the locker room. They're not paying any money for him. So do you think Hainsworth can get his act together and become the guy that he was at Tennessee? I do, and I think it's all set up. That's scary. Yeah, it really is. I've been watching him out on the practice field the last couple of practices. This could be, um, this could be a comeback player of the year type thing. Wow. He's just, he's just um, manhandling some backup offensive linemen, so that's sort of important to mention. But you just see what a difference he makes. I mean, he's so big. He's so powerful. But he's got this sort of short area quickness where he gets right on these linemen and they're just getting knocked right back. I think, you know, the thing to me is the Patriots have this structure within their uh, organization, strong leadership with the likes of Tom Brady, Vince Wilfork on defense, some others, and, and Belichick, the program he sets up, sort of insulates these guys from a lot of that uh, outside distraction. So I think... I think it's all set up for Albert Hainsworth to come back and, and have a big year and be a big difference maker for the Patriots. The man everyone talks about in New England, Tom Brady. How's he looking uh, as we enter the season? Well, I'd say health-wise, he looks good. He had surgery on his right foot back in January and uh, you know had a good off-season, worked hard on it, and 
So he's ready to go. The one thing I would say is that I think the offense on the whole has looked very shaky uh, over the first week at training camp. doesn't surprise me. I sort of make a connection to maybe baseball when you get to spring training. A lot of times I think you hear that the pitchers might often be ahead of the hitters because the hitters have to get you know, their timing down. It takes a little time. I think same thing for the offense. I think not having the chance to work together in the offseason and not having as many practices, Brian, early in training camp to really get the timing down it's looked pretty rusty to me, and so Brady's no exception there. But when I look at him, the arm strength is still there, the, the passion, the competitive drive, it's all still there. I expect another big year from him. So we've got Wes Welker, you've got Dion Branch, you add Chad Ochocinco, you've got my guy, Danny Woodhead. That's a pretty interesting offense there for Tom Brady. It is. There's just so, so many weapons. I mean, what do you want to do, Brian? I mean, you come out one, one week, you could spread the field with three, four wide receivers and have Danny Woodhead play, you know, the majority of the snaps at running back as you're sort of passing back a threat who can catch the ball. The next week you might want to play smash mouth because you might see an advantage there. So what do you do? Well, let's go to some two receiver sets, but let's put promising tight end Rob Gronkowski out in the field a little bit more and let's go power it up and maybe add some speed at running back with Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis and Shane Vereen. A rookie uh, Vereen is a second round pick out of Cal looked very fast out in the practice field yesterday. I think the big question right now though for the Patriots, they, they have these weapons, they have Brady pulling the trigger. How's that offensive line going to come together? I think that was one of the big questions entering camp and, and they answered a few of those questions pretty nicely with left tackle Matt Light and left guard Logan Mankins coming back. But through the first week of camp, those guys haven't practiced, and I've noticed that the line has had a little bit of a tough time. We've got a few minutes left with Mike Reese of ESPNBoston.com. The guy I want to talk about, the most important man in New England, Robert Kraft. Uh, I mean, what, a, what an owner there, and he was instrumental in getting the lockout solved. I think the the lasting image for me is when he and Jeff Saturday from the Colts embraced when everything was all said and done. He just lost his wife. Talk about him for a minute. Well, I would just say, you know, Robert Kraft is, has emerged since buying the team in 1994 as not just an owner who sort of saved the Patriots from moving out of this region maybe going to St. Louis at the time, and, and more than just the owner that put the structure in place, hired the right people to bring three Super Bowl championships to New England, but now he's an owner that's, whose impact has stretched beyond his own football team, the New England Patriots, and now has stretched to the NFL. You know, he's involved in various committees in terms of the owners in the league, um, one of the power brokers, if you will, a bridge builder, someone who can get people together, talk about issues, be hard when he has to, but be soft when he has to, bringing people together. So I think now you start talking about a legacy as an owner. Robert Kraft already had it nailed down as you know the Patriots owner, guy who was in charge uh, running the show when they won three Super Bowls, kept the team in the area. But now you look at from an NFL perspective, the guy helped at, at a critical time, as Jeff Saturday said, save football. Yeah, I mean, if Robert Kraft isn't there, if he's off you know, grieving I don't know if this is solved yet. I think they're still trying to work things out, don't you? You know, that, that's, that's hard for me to say just because I, you know, I wasn't sort of closely following you know, the, the inner dynamics of the lockout. We had other reporters doing that. But certainly when you, when you listen to what Jeff Saturday said 
I mean, how do you dispute that? The guy was in all the negotiations. I think that it probably would have been hard to get it done without Robert Kraft, but, you know, you've got to give him credit for playing the role he did in, uh, in getting the sides where they ultimately ended up. Patriots 14-2 and last year. They lose to the Jets in the playoffs. Disappointing there. A lot of people talking about the Eagles right now with all the signings they've had. Where do you think the Patriots can go this season? Do they get all the way to the Super Bowl? Do they win it? Are they that good of a team? Yeah, let, let's assume good health for every team. Uh, I think they'll be right there in the mix. I do think that it's important to point out that this is a team that the last three playoff games they've played have not charged through the finish line. They've lost their last three playoff games. Interesting. So I, think, I think that no matter what happens in the regular season, I think it would be a shocker if they're not in the playoffs. But I think once they get there, questions will still remain. They have something to prove. I think they'll be there in the end, Brian. I think they're part of a small group of teams that, that I feel has the potential to win a Super Bowl uh, in the NFL. So as we've seen over the last decade, Patriots have to be in the discussion. Will they make it happen? I wouldn't bet against it, but again, they have those playoff questions to answer. That's interesting because Tom Brady and Coach Belichick have been so potent in the playoffs before this three-game losing streak that you're mentioning. It's just surprising. You would think with a little bit more time to prepare, they would uh, they'd thrive in the playoffs as they had before. Yeah, and I think one of the factors is after the 2007 loss, and that was the perfect season where they just couldn't pull it off against the Giants in the Super Bowl, Belichick really turned over the roster. I mean, and it's hard. You know, we hear window of opportunity a lot in sports. Hey, we have a window of opportunity. Let's, we got to win now. Well, the Patriots don't really operate on that window of opportunity mindset. They want a tender. And so to be able to turn over your roster, to get younger but still be competitive, got to be one of the hardest things to do in sports and and that's what they were doing so i think some of the playoff struggles we saw the last last two losses take away that 2007 super bowl loss has been a, a little bit of a result of youth i mean they're a younger team so i think that experience they've gained over the last two playoffs will help them this time around Mike Reese, ESPNBoston.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Mike Reese. One of the best NFL reporters out there. i got to tell you, I've got a buddy down in L.A. who's like a diehard Pats fan, and he heard I was going to be having you on, and he was very excited. He, he reads your stuff all the time. So thanks for taking the time to uh, join me, and I'd love to have you on again in the future. All right, well, I appreciate it, and uh, you should tell everyone how we found each other because I was so impressed with the interview you had with Danny Woodhead, and uh, so I appreciate what you do, and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. But that's alright because I like the way it hurts. Just gonna stand there and hear me cry. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. 
And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tea times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to pumpkinridge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Pleased to welcome to the show Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft, the newest member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kyrie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So walk me through the process that led you to decide to leave Duke after one season to head to the NBA. What was that process like for you? Um, well, it was definitely a difficult one. Uh, you know, it was even harder being on campus with uh, all my teammates. And, you know, uh, another coaches were trying to sway me one way or another, but it was just harder being on campus, uh, you know, a campus I love so much. But um, at the end of the day, it became um, just a decision that was up to me, and uh, I made the best decision for me and my family. So the process was hard, but I'm, I'm great. Um, I'm in the NBA now. Now, I read that you've promised your dad you're going to return to Duke to get that degree. How important is it to you and to your dad to go back and finish up at Duke? Um, it's, it's definitely important. You know, um, I didn't come to Duke just to be a basketball player. I came to be a student athlete. It just so happens that, um, you know, my career was cut short. But, um, you know, I still have obligations academically to um, to fulfill with my father, and that's to, that's to get my degree. Um, you know, I want to graduate with a degree here, so it's really important to me. What was it like playing for Coach K for that one season at Duke? Uh, playing for Coach K for, for one season, um, you know, it was really special for me just based on the relationship I had with him. You know, coming as a freshman and, uh, you know, leading a charge, you know, I kind of describe uh, our Duke team last year as a Ferrari when I was playing. You know, no, it couldn't be stopped. So, uh, you know, our relationship is still, still um, you know, it's all love with Coach K. You know, you know I love him. I love him for the rest of my life. So the NBA is in a lockout right now, unfortunately. It's got to be a weird time. What are you doing to stay active and fit for when the lockout is over and NBA basketball resumes? Uh, well, right now, um, you know, I'm resting my foot as much as I can. Um, I've, I've been uh, on hiatus for about two months. Uh, once I got drafted, uh, you know, um, I had to rest my foot even more. So right now I'm just uh, been in the weight room a lot and just swimming a lot just to stay in shape. So that's just my regimen. You know, I just get shots up every once in a while, and I'm um, going to try to stay fit by swimming. You're a guy whose game is based on speed. Um you look great in that game versus Arizona. You had 28 points. Do you feel like you're going to be able to have that explosiveness uh, in the NBA with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you know, it's kind of funny. The Arizona game, I was only probably about 60%. Wow. And, uh, God willing, I was still able to uh, score 28 points. Uh, you know, I had to make a few adjustments. And, um, you know, my, my game is really based off a of change of speed, so I try to use, utilize as much as I can in that game. Um, we came up short, but... I think my transition to the NBA will be a little bit easier just based on um, you know, how quick I am now. But um, you know, we'll see how it goes when I actually get there. Many people have compared your game to Chris Paul. Would you say that's accurate, or is there someone else you would compare your game to? Uh, you know, I've heard that comparison a lot. Um, you know, he is my favorite player. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be um, his competitor next year. So you know, I'm really looking forward to that. But right now I try to define my own game. Uh, you know, everyone, no one knows how to really pinpoint it because I, I don't do anything great. But, uh, you know, I do a lot of things really well. So I just try to have my own game, my own personality. 
What do you think about being in Cleveland? You're, you're going to Cleveland. They had a rough year last year, but they've got a great coach in Byron Scott, a good organization. You get to play with uh, Tristan Thompson, who I know you've played with previously, at least uh, coming up through some of the Nike events. What yeah. are you looking forward to with Cleveland? I'm just really looking forward to, you know, being in Cleveland and um, actually putting on my jersey. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's been a dream come true to be drafted, especially be drafted number one to a city such as Cleveland, where uh, the fanfare is great. So I'm just really looking forward to being a Cleveland Cavalier for a long time. So I see you've got a deal with Nike. What does it feel like to be part of the Nike family of athletes? They've got some impressive athletes in the stable. Oh, it's definitely a, a great opportunity to be a part of such a great brand. Um, you know, the, the way they market their players. And, you know, I really feel that it's a brand where you have to earn your earn your stripes. And, and that's what I want to do in the NBA and with the Nike brand. So uh, you know, that's why I went with them. Yeah, I was going to ask you, why did you choose Nike over the other companies? I know you've spent a lot of time playing in Nike events. You played in the Jordan Classic. You played in the Hoop Summit. And the Global Challenge is coming to Portland this week. And I know you played in that event. Was that your first exposure to international competition? Oh, yeah, it actually was. That was my first experience playing against international players. And, um, you know, it was a great experience. You know, God willing, I won the MVP. And, um, you know, that was my first true uh, event where I was around top players all the time and international players also. So it was a great experience. So Tristan Thompson was on the other team. He's your teammate now at the Cavs. You beat him in the Global Challenge. That was a high-scoring affair. Do you remember that game? Oh, absolutely. I remember that. Are you going to give him a hard time about that? Is that something that you guys go back and forth on, or uh, is that way in the past? Well, I've been playing against Tristan since I was um, a junior. So, you know, when I was when I transferred to St. Patrick's, uh, he was at St. Benedict's, and um, you know that was kind of my breakout game where I started getting recruiting offers. So I thanked him for that, and um, you know I thanked him for uh, allowing me to win a gold medal for USA, <laughs> like a global challenge. Talk about coming up through the Nike system and playing against the best competition and, you know, the summer ball. And they've got so many great events that prepare you for the next levels that you go to. That's got to be a great experience for you. Oh, it's definitely a great experience. Uh, I feel like Nike puts puts kids who don't really get that much exposure in a position to get that exposure that, that's needed. And, um, you know, they're, they're such a great brand. The way they market their, their um, events and camps, it just makes everyone – uh, want to go to these camps, and especially if you have all the top players there all the time. And like I said, it's just great exposure, and they do a great job with it. We're joined by Kyrie Irving. He's the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft po- uh, guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He'll probably play point guard. Uh, Kyrie, a lot of times Nike takes their athletes on promotional trips. They go around the globe. Do you have anything planned to take any trips with Nike? Oh, uh, yeah. It's the 17th to the 22nd, I'll be in China uh, on a Nike tour with them. Uh, which will be a tremendous experience for me. Have you ever been to China? No. No, sir, I haven't. Wow. I went in 2007, and I was actually there when Kobe Bryant was there. And I'll tell you, it's an eye-opening experience. Every athlete that I've ever been over there with, um, they just are blown away by the knowledge the Chinese people have of NBA athletes and the reception that they get. And they love your apparel and everything else that you have. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to the China trip, experiencing everything I can. So talk more about the Global Challenge. Again, it's coming up this weekend, August 5th to 7th, here at uh, Hillsborough at Liberty High School. $5 gets you in to see all of the games. It's a great, great value. Um, 
scouts noticed you at that game. You played against international competition. Talk about maybe the, the bonding with your teammates. I see in sports now, especially in the NBA, guys really bond during these events. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, the Nike Global Challenge was another breakout um, event for me, just uh, all those scouts being there and actually seeing me for the first time and seeing me in an environment playing against international players. Uh, you know, like you said, the bond that um, that we shared at that event, um, you know, Josh Selby was on that team, uh, Will Barton, Trevor Cooney, uh, Roscoe Smith. I can go down the line about five other teammates that I had. And, um, you know, we kind of grew up on the AU circuit together. So and uh, we wanted to represent the East. Uh, that was our USA team. We were USA team East and we represent the East Coast and we wanted to win a gold medal for the East Coast. So it was a great bonding experience. I um, mean, you know, I got to meet all the players I don't normally see on the AU circuit. It was just a great experience. I know you're on Twitter. You're at Kyrie Irving. Thanks for the retweet for this interview yesterday. That was that was nice. But when you're over in China with Nike, are you going to be sending out some tweets, maybe some images and some updates of what you're doing over there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to document everything. Uh, you know, a lot of the 19-year-old kids in the world don't really get to experience what I'm experiencing. So I'm definitely going to take it all in, uh, create memories. Do you ever just pinch yourself some days and say, I'm 19 years old, number one pick in the NBA draft, and you're with Nike, you're traveling to China? It seems like all your dreams are coming true. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I do have to pinch myself sometimes because sometimes I actually forget that I'm actually an, um, an NBA player. Uh, you know, being down at school, it's, it's kind of hard to remember that. Just, uh, you know, Duke is just my, com- it's just my comfort zone. You know, this is what I know. And, you know, where I get the best competition all the time. But now that I'm an NBA player, sometimes I have to remind myself that, uh, you know, I am one. So I definitely have to pinch myself sometimes. Are you at Duke now working out, or where are you in the country working out? Um, I've been in North Carolina for about a month, and a, a month and a half now, taking summer classes. So I've been down here the whole time. That's great. I mean, I guess that's one of the advantages of the lockout is you can uh, go get some summer classes in and get closer to that degree, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it gives you – you know, uh, a sense of comfortability being here with, uh, you know, all the new guys and uh, being here with your former teammates. It's a great experience. Other than Chris Paul, who are you most looking forward to facing in the NBA? I'm looking forward to facing everybody, uh, you know, just like they're looking forward to facing me. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to the competition every single night playing against a great point guard. Kyrie Irving, you have a bright future in the NBA. I really appreciate you taking time to join me here. Have a great day, and good luck with your trip to China. I think it's going to be wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Watching me like you never watched no one. Don't tell me that you didn't try and check out my bum, because I know that you did, because your friend told me that you liked it. Me those pearls and I thought they were ugly Don't you try and tell me that you never loved me I know that you did Cause you said it and you wrote it down Dancing at discos, eating cheese on toast Yeah, you make me merry, make me very, very happy But you obviously, you didn't want to stick around Dancing at discos, eating cheese on toast Yeah, you make me merry, make me very, very happy But you obviously, you didn't want to stick around so I learned from you. Do, 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 daddy, do, 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 daddy, do, 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 daddy, do.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. And welcome back to Sports Business Radio. I am Brian Griggs, executive producer of SBR. I hope you've enjoyed today's best of SBR show. Thanks so much for listening. And a reminder, you can download this show on demand via podcast at our website, sportsbusinessradio.com. You'll also see icons there to become our Facebook fan or follow us on Twitter at SB Radio. Also, you can fill out a survey on the website and let us know more about you and where you listen to the show, what you do. You'll have a chance to win a segment on a future SBR show so you can promote your business. You can't beat that. Hang out with us in the studio. Have a good time. Check it out. The survey's at sportsbusinessradio.com. I want to thank our show staff, Doug Zanger, Jared Meltzer, Josh Blanks, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and for Brian Berger back from vacation soon and me myself and i brian griggs have a great day and we'll talk to you next week on sports business radio am i better off dead am i better off a quitter they say i'm better off now than i ever was with her as they take me to my local down the street I'm smiling, but I'm dying, trying not to drag my feet. They say a few drinks will help me to forget her. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives as well as to government leaders and ceos we'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises it's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today for more information about everything is on the record visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs 
Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com.